Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Like, I just love seeing that one rental at a time idea, framework, methodology, if you will, is gaining traction with more and more people kind of picking it up. We have a great guest who reached out to me on Instagram, shared a wonderful video summarizing some of his thoughts on one rental at a time. And I asked him, would he come online? And he said, yes. So let's welcome Andrew to the show. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm pretty good, Michael. Thank you for inviting me. Glad I'm here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for doing that video. It was very nice to hear and see. Um, let's do yourself a favor, introduce yourself to the audience, your story, uh, and then we'll get into more details. Well, uh, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm Drew actually, um, you know, uh, military, I kind of ran into one rental at a time way back when, um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to go right to the story and go for it, go for it. You know, so, um, so I was actually raised a little differently. I was raised very anti-credit, um, very, you know, uh, you don't buy anything with credit. You don't buy anything unless you have cash for it. And, you know, so my finances, you know, coming up as a kid was actually pretty good. I've had a job since the age of 12. My father's really big on working and really, really ground that work ethic uh, into me, even from a very young age. And, you know, several years ago, I, you know, I joined the military right at 18, you know, deployed, came back to Afghanistan, got married pretty early. So, you know, my wife's the same wife that I actually dated back in high school. So we're, you know, high school sweethearts. So married over nice. 10 years, kids. And, you know, I think around the age of 25, you know, we're just kind of going through life and going through our thing. And, you know, one day I just woke up and I was like, man, you know, if I, you know, if I want to retire at some point, I got to make more than what I'm making now. And we really have to just start making some changes. And I didn't really know where to go or what to do. So I just, went where probably most people go to, which is, you know, YouTube University and started looking up like, all right, what should I do? Am I saving more? Am I, uh, you know, am I buying something? You know, where do I even start? And it was really just a big puzzle piece of just, you know, where do I go from there? And it really just opened up just a network of everything just bloomed all of a sudden and you found so much, uh, so much information online. And, uh, and I didn't, you know, then I started ran, I actually ran into rich dad, poor dad, um, very, very much like yourself. And um, everything that I had been taught of anti-credit, anti-credit, you know, no, don't get into debt, no debt. And it kind of came crashing down after I read the rich dad, poor dad. And it was just, I was like, man, if, you know, yeah, I think what I learned later on was like the principles of no debt were, were good as a younger man growing up. Sure. Uh, so not buying something that you really don't need. But I think the concept of growing wealthy and becoming financially free, it, it was kind of like a must that you have to have some form of debt, of good debt and then bad debt. And, you know, from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I just, you know, from there, I actually ran into your channel, uh, One Rental at a Time, one of your videos popped up. Uh, kind of out of nowhere and I watched it. I was like man this guy's really interesting let me start yeah at that point I was following a whole bunch of financial channels but yours really cut connected because uh kind of like your backstory where you know you you were kind of doing the same thing grinding through at a uh at an older age around I think it was 30 
And then you're like, yeah, it's kind of clicked the same way. Like, where do I go from here? Am I going to be grinding it out all the way into my 50s and 60s and never be able to stop? I think that's probably what, you know, I think scared me the most was, you know, well, I have to work till I'm 70, you know, and that really terrified me. And I was like, and that's what really pushed me to your channel. I was like, all right, how did, you know, where do I get that, that mentorship and where do I get that advice from that's good, that actually works and uh, filtering out the really uh, crazy, risky stuff uh, to the point where, all right, this, this is manageable, this is doable, and there's proof in kind of like proof in the pudding that this actually does work. And that and that's what kind of drew me to your, your channel. That's awesome. Well, that, it's it's, uh, it's so nice to hear as somebody who creates a lot of content, right? Five or six videos a day. Uh, I realize I create a lot of content. I just never know when something's going to click with someone. Um, yeah. But but hopefully what you've seen over the years is my principles really don't change, right? Get no. a buy box, look at it every day, understand average, uh, live below your means, needs versus wants. All these things that we talk about really don't change. I you know I tr I try to use different vocabulary. I bring on other other experts because you just never know what's going to click. Um, yeah. So I, um, it's it's fun to hear that it's actually working. So that's cool. Well, yeah, the consistency in your videos is really uh, it's it's very um, calming in, in a sense. Like all right, there's not big changes happening in how he's doing it. This is consistent from almost point A to point Z. You know, you're constantly saying uh, essentially the same stuff, modifying with the market. Of course, you got to you got to be flexible, but essentially saying the same stuff. You know, you're, you're doing the work, you're studying your market, you're you're you know making your buy box, and then you're going for it, and you're you're finding those good or uh, essentially great deals now, and you're just being patient and not just throwing yourself into stuff just because you just want to do a deal. Yeah, that's again this in. It's going to get really exciting for people who do the work. Uh, I know it may not feel that way right now, but this is my third really big, maybe fourth big kind of market shift. We're going into a recession or what Greg Dickerson calls the bad times. And as Warren Buffett just said this weekend, value investing, which at the core of my great good or great deals, it's value investing, right? We get the opportunity to buy assets on sale from people who do dumb things. That's essentially yeah. what Warren Buffett's methodology is, is he stacks cash and buys when somebody else does something stupid. So, um, you know, there, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity, I think, over the next couple of years, if you're disciplined, if you do the work. Um, I'm excited to see One Rental at a Time even be more impactful over the next couple of years. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. So why don't we talk about a couple of uh, a deal that you put together, your first uh, your first rental property. I hear there's some some interesting twists and turns in that. Yeah. So, so my first property uh, on my channel, I talk about my rental property that I bought, but my first ever property was back when I was around 21, 22 years old, uh, 2012 to 13, around that time frame. So a little while ago, I was pretty young. Uh, I just got back uh, from a deployment. I moved over to Augusta, Georgia, and, and me and my wife had just gotten married uh, probably about a, six months to a year prior. And we're like, man, you know, we got married. Let's Let's kind of do the natural American dream. Let's go find a house, you know? And so we go looking and we find this, you know, we, we search all, quite a few houses. And at that time I didn't have, you know, the knowledge uh, or the wisdom to be like, all right, we should probably be looking at a rental, something that cash flows, something that we can maintain when, after we leave here, because in the military, a lot of people know we move around a lot. And so we went for just straight, we were just our forever home. And it, 
And at that time, you're just so naive that not to realize this is not the forever home. This is just a temporary stop in our lives that, you know, where we need to go. And so we started looking around and we searched quite a few houses and we found one. And it was, again, around 2012, 13 time. And we, it was right there, probably within, you know, two, three blocks of the Savannah River, uh, red brick, colonial style house, three bed, two bath, absolutely beautiful home. And we really bought it uh, essentially because we fell in love with it. Uh, it wasn't even at that time, even though it was an amazing location, amazing property, it just got renovated. The people were moving out. Um, we didn't, we, you know, we fell in love with it. And that's why we bought it. And we lived in it for probably about a year and a half. And sure enough, uh, I came on orders, had to go to Korea for a year and then come back. And then we got orders again to move down south, even further to Fort Stewart. And we had to rent the property. And what we didn't take into account was, again, had I done the work and I knew the knowledge at that time, uh, I would have known, hey, the flood insurance is pretty high for that area. It didn't, and essentially broke even on the property. And, you know, so we had to move down. That flood insurance alone was just $200 a month back at Ouch. that time. Yeah. And, you know, I guess uh, they haven't had a flood in, you know, 70, 80 years, but for some reason it was pretty high. But um, yeah, so it, essentially we rented it and, and it broke even. And whenever there was a repair, we were coming out of pocket on a very, you know, I was an E4 at the time. So a specialist making not a whole lot of money. So every time a repair would come up, we'd come out of pocket for it. And, you know, luckily, there. We, yeah, it, it was rough. It was an alligator. And it was, <laughs> yeah. No alligators, people. <laughs> no alligators. It was just eating up, you know, some of our savings. And, um, but we stuck to it. I was like, all right, maybe this will turn around. And I guess it just didn't dawn on me to just, why don't you do more research <laughs> and figure out what's going on here? And we probably rebuilt that property, property for probably about four or five years. Okay. And that, because it was just breaking even, I feel like that really set me back because sure. I didn't, I didn't experience the cash flow. I didn't experience the big, you know, I think it was still relatively close to the, you know, the 2008, 2009, uh, the market was still recovering. So I got a great deal on it. I uh, used a VA loan, uh, very little out of pocket to get into it. Nice. And, and at that time I had, you know, uh, saved up savings that I probably could have put down for the down payment and I could have cashed up in day one, you know, but I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I thought, Hey, you know, very little out of pocket, get into a property that we love and, you know, it'll all go out, you know, I'll work out from here. So how does that property end? Do you, do you still own it today? No, I sold it, uh, 2019, uh, okay. a little early before, uh, essentially right before COVID. Uh, I didn't make money off of it. Uh, yeah. so I didn't go value at that time. Um, and I used that money to actually kind of kickstart the, the next financial chapter of our lives at that point. All right. Well, let's talk about that. So you, um, you, you sell that, it, I assume, because it was your, your primary, you were able to take out the profits tax-free, I would guess? Sure. Yeah. yeah, there's a military, you know, 121 exclusion uh, where you have to, if you live two years, the last five years, now the yep. military, there is a, a military clause in there where if we get orders, it actually excludes that as well uh, to where nice. we didn't actually pay taxes. Yeah, so really, it was essentially tax-free money that we got. And then, you know, the big paycheck, you know, that- Yeah, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> And um, at that point, we put, you know, and again, I still really hadn't discovered that was the really start of the financial uh, around that time frame. And I was like, all right, you know, what do we do with this money? You know, and right. so we needed to put down payment on a car that we needed for a van. We were, you know, starting a family. Sure. And next we put it into the stock market. <laughs> How did that do? 
So it, it actually worked out pretty decently. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I had a, yeah, I ran to kind of like that financial start where I ran to Warren Buffett and I really oh, nice. connected with Warren Buffett. So I have the intelligent investor behind me. Um, really, it's a good uh, Vance book if you are just starting out. And um, I ran to like Phil Town, uh, Room One Investing, which really worked out. And nice. um, so I got into the market essentially right around that 2020 mark when it all crashed is when I started going into it. oh yeah and i was like all right is this the the big crash that warren buffett talks about am i taking the risk and um so we only started very we started very small we didn't put the whole amount in there uh, i had to convince my wife to even put the money in there um again we were raised very you know anti uh we weren't really my families aren't really big into the uh, you know the stock market uh like oh, it's gambling it's gambling and um, even though, you know, 401ks are stock market and, yeah. you know, that kind of, but so anyway, so we get in there, I put like, you know, $5,000 into the stock market. I bought some stuff and, you know, using Warren Buffett's method, I, I was doing the evaluation and Phil Town, I was doing the evaluation, I doing the research, nice. spend the time and essentially that the first stock doubled out nice. of nowhere. And so I was like, all right, it's that value. Um, Warren Buffett says that, you know, I can hold it or... Or sell it so i actually decided to sell and then move it to the next one and it was kind of like i hit that perfect plateau of stock one stock after another after another and it you know it i had an amazing return that year and essentially went from like five thousand dollars to like close to a hundred thousand nice uh, dollars within work. yeah within the year and then um after that they started raising interest rates and much like <laughs> your story uh it went back down again i was like oh why is this not continuing up and uh where do i go <laughs> oh i know and, that story that's just uh, somebody somebody i know has that exact story yes yeah and i was like is this this is probably not the forever method i want to use and uh i tell you when it went down that really hit me like a brick and um yeah. you know luckily we we're still positive obviously we start out with a very low amount and that's why I was like, all right, there, maybe there's other investments that I can jump into. And that's where I found one rental at a time. I started looking at Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they started talking about property. I was like, all right, property is the way to go. Yeah. yeah. So, folks, if you don't know my story, kind of similar, except 20 years before, I took seven grand and over about two and a half years turned into 200. Then that 200 very quickly in the dot com crash turned into 40. So, I, uh, you know, Yes, I turned seven into 40, which is okay, but that's not how I look at it. I look at it as turning 200 into 40. So I yeah. lost, I don't know, 80%. So, uh, so you took five into a hundred. When did you, when did you realize and got out? How much did you exit with roughly? Uh, it was around the 50 mark. That's not yeah. bad. So better than yeah. me. So you it lost was. 50%. I lost 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it does. It doesn't hurt any less. Like saying, no. oh, well, we started with five. And I'm still up and it doesn't hurt any less by going from hundred to 50. <laughs> and and, I will uh, always remember going from 200 to 40. I won't remember yeah. seven to 40. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. It, it's great for a moment, but yeah, the, the, the decline is more painful than the incline. Oh, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, now you're into real estate. So you read the books, you find one rental at a time. Um, did you first get a buy box or what, what really resonated when you started looking at properties? Uh, what what really started resonating was actually the the tax stuff. Um, oh, okay. I was like, oh, okay, like so a lot of my gain in the stock market was in like a Roth IRA. I had moved okay. money in there. I had money in there, so I kind of moved it around. 
and I had a, uh, and a regular stock account as well, but mostly in the Roth. So I didn't have to really pay a whole lot of oh, taxes. Yeah, it really worked out. And um, so when it really was the tax stuff, I was like, all right, well, uh, I heard mention on a video, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And I was like, man, that that makes so much sense, you know? And then use the acronym is, you know, who's richer, the guy who makes 200 but keeps, you know, 50 or the guy who makes 100, you know, and keeps 70. And I was like, it makes so much sense. And if you're on a lower base income, and, and it makes even more sense because you're like, you, know, you have to keep as much as possible in order to really continue on and to keep recycling capital. And so really it was the, the tax stuff I got into it. And I was like, wow, this is, I never knew this was even a, uh, a real thing. Hmm. And so that was kind of what made me go into real estate. And, you know, again, because we had that experience with the old property back in Augusta, Georgia, you know, you know, we were paying repairs on it and constantly, it really just set us back of like not looking at properties Perfect. for a long time, several years after that. And, you know, it was really the conversation going to convince my wife to be, you know, like, hey, we should probably reevaluate and relook at real estate investing and in the right way and not in the wrong way that we were doing before. And then trying to, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is trying to get your spouse on board uh, for it because, you know, she feels the pain just as much as you did. And she sure. remembers as much as you did as well. You know, so if you're, if you're studying, you're reading, you're re revamping your mind and, you know, relearning your whole concept of how money and real estate works. Maybe they haven't read the books yet. So you have to convince yeah. them as well and say, Hey, you know, this will work if we do it this way, this time. Yeah. It's funny. Your story reminds me of one of the chapters of my second book, right? My second book is 15 conversations with real estate millionaires. One of the stories in there uh, was a gentleman who um, I think they actually, yeah, they, they got into a rental, low quality, didn't know what they were doing. Total headache, total, total cluster, lost some money, not a lot, but some. And that one experience because they, they gambled, basically, they didn't do the work. They didn't come back to real estate for over a decade, yeah. right? It was, he calls it his lost decade. You can yeah. do real estate really, really wrong. Just because you yeah. have the money doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You really got to understand your market. Uh, I run into too many people with a little bit of capital that it, it almost feels like they have to run away from it. They just got to get rid of it or else they're going to spend it on something. Yeah. Um. And I just want you to sit back, relax, realize you're you're going to pick up a brand new skill. You don't learn golf or singing or instruments or a second language in a weekend. It takes time. It takes repetition. But it is possible. You can yeah. learn a second language. You can learn an instrument. You can learn to be a good real estate investor. Um, yeah, it's just focus and daily discipline. It's 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 no it's not sexier than that. Everybody wants it to be sexy. Everybody wants it to be quick, but um, only the people that do the work and then just stay at it. Right, the first three or four years are are slow, but it uh, does it does work. Right, if you own assets that cash flow with fixed rate debt, it's 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 hard to lose unless you're gambling or getting alligators or doing something like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and I think it resonates too where you say it's slow. Uh, because, you know, after I, I found the one rental at a time, you know, and getting the buybacks and doing the work and studying your market, I was in clean Texas. And, you know, 
at that time, the market was starting, it was already hot. It was already, you know, starting to peak. I found it around 2020 and then around 2021, as you know, it was high and flying every yeah. property above asking. And, um, and, and it took a while for us to find a property. Like you think when you join a program, you're like, all right, it's going to work tomorrow. And it just doesn't work like that. Um, and if you're going to do it the right way, you have to take the time to actually study your market. You have to take the time to do the work. You got to figure out what neighborhood you want to live at. You know, what, yes. you know, what side of town you want to live in, you know, and, you know, I took into account like, all right, I have a wife, I have kids, you know, would I live in that area personally with my wife, you know, and if I said no, then that's obviously not an area that I should probably be buying in. And, I, you know, I think it took us around a year to really, you know, find a property. Um, and, you know, at the time, like I said, uh, I was telling you earlier, my wife was pregnant at the time I was trying to convince her, like, once you... You know, the, the spouses are accepting of it once you're, you know, you're kind of just, you know, like it's like a passing phase type deal. But when you're actually, you go, hey, babe, I found a property, mm -hmm. you know, then it starts to really get real, real quick. <laughs> like, hey, we're actually going to be doing this. And, right. um, you know, like I said, at that time, my wife was, you know, pregnant and, you know, she was at probably around uh, six months pregnant and we were going to, you know, it took us a while to find the house. Once we found it, um, it was a, the, the the property at the time was actually owned by a little, uh, little, the sweetest Korean older woman that you've ever met in your life. And she was actually going home to be in, uh, going to go home to Korea. Her husband had passed away and they had owned several duplexes and they wanted to get rid of them. And so it popped on the market. And because I had, you know, my buy box and I had been studying the market for months and months before that, man, when I saw it pop up that day, I did the math on the spot. I was like, this is a good this deal. Is it. Yes. This is it. This is mine. You know, like, I gotta oh, get Oh, that's exactly the feeling I hope everybody gets. I do the work, oh, do the work. Oh. Yeah. And I knew at that moment I was like, you know, I was like, this is it. I you know, I knew if I didn't make an offer on it at that point, I was like, I have to pull the trigger. I have to put my feet into the fire and just take the shot. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people have is taking the shot. Once you find it and you know it's good, take the shot. Take the shot. And once you've done everything prior to that, you'll you'll most likely be okay. Things happen, you know. But most likely, you know, I'd say ninety percent of the time you'll be fine. And as I walked in, I found it that morning. I walk in, my wife, she's you know six months pregnant, and I'm like, hey babe, I found I found the duplex. You know, we can. I want I want to go make an offer. And she looked at me and she goes, well, I I don't know. I, you know, I don't think this is a good time. And I was like, my heart sunk. And I was oh. like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I can't, I can't just go buy, you know, you know, over a quarter million dollar property without my wife supporting it. And, and for at that moment, I looked at my wife, I go, babe, when is a better time? When is a better time? And out of summer, I had some epiphany genius uh, wisdom come out. And I was like, you know, there's always, you know, that's right. I was like, babe, you know, there's always a baby due. There's always a bill to pay. There's always a family emergency happening. There's always the sky is falling. There's always a war on or something like that. There's always something to tell you no. And, and there's always something to say, hey, this is not the best time. And, and unfortunately, you know, when is that that best time? And to her credit, she literally sat there for a second thinking, and you know, I'm looking at her like, come on, you know, please. come on, come on. And she looked at me and she goes, Yeah, you're right. 
yeah, go for it. Let's go for it. And there was just a moment I was like, you know, that, that full backing and, you know, people, I think a lot of people underestimate that, the, the support. Oh, no, of you, oh, with, you without know. question, without question. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly. Because if it goes south, that's your whole family's income. That's your, I mean, that's your, your savings. That's everything. And it's like, where do you go from there? And we're young, you know, so we're fine. But, you know, she said, yeah, yeah let's go for it. So I, I called the realtor and I actually found it before the realtor did. And ah, um, nice. And uh, we got there same day. Uh, I found it that morning, uh, probably around eight o'clock, eight, 8 a.m. And then I was at the property by probably 10 a.m. Perfect. And uh, the lady, um, little Korean woman, uh, sweetest little lady, she was there. Um, her agent was there. They were trying to move the property very quickly. And I already had, I had already set up my um, approved funding from the bank and everything. I had uh, really great credit. And um, so I walked in, I walked through the property. You know, and probably within uh, less than 30 minutes after I got in there and walked around, we already signed papers on a contract. Awesome. Yeah. So it was a duplex. Um, what? What, what? Yeah, duplex, right? Yep, correct. What? So, would like two bedroom, three bedroom? What are these duplexes like? So, it was a three bed, two bath on each side, uh, 1,300, nice. uh, 1,350 square feet around each side. Uh, one Garages side had a or carport? Car, uh, one car garage. Okay. Very cool. What what did what'd you get it for? Uh, uh, two hundred eighty-five thousand. And I'm guessing you lived in one side and rented out the other. Correct. Yeah, I used my VA loan to actually get into the property. Eighty-three hundred dollars out of pocket, and uh, interest rate at a two point eight seven five. Oh, sub three. Look at you showing off, doing a little flexing. Um. So that's that's wow, that's great. So what is a what is a three two rent for? I have no idea in Texas. So at that time, um, at that time it was around a thousand. Um, well, correction, they're renting it for a thousand on the other side, and at that time it was around twelve hundred dollars on each side. Okay. For for they... a three two uh, duplex side. All right. So then you 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 buy it, you move in. Uh, oh, apparently there, you move there, in. Yeah. Yeah. There's you, a story you... behind that one. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, just share, share with the audience. Yeah, so at, at that time, again, my wife was six months pregnant, and um, we were supposed to move into the property in October. And, the you know, essentially the time went on is about a month before October came around, uh, the, the the lady called the agent, and she's like, hey, um, I can't go home just yet. We're trying to still close on some properties. Can I stay all the way till December? And then essentially you can move in after December, after Christmas. And my wife was due in January. Mm. And so, you know, having that conversation was uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting. 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 Yeah. And um, but we said, okay, you know, we were trying to be flexible. We still had a, sure. we were renting at the time and we, you know, we were still fine. And so essentially we stayed all the way till December. And then on January 1st, uh, my, we moved into the duplex. My wife gave birth on January 9th. Wow, eight days. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's crazy. So I'm guessing you closed and she did like a, a lease back from you, I'm guessing? Uh, no, so we actually delayed the closing. Oh, you delayed like, closing, okay. Correct, yeah. So uh, we delayed closing all the way to essentially right after Christmas. Okay. You know, and, that was, and that's nerve-wracking as it is because what if something happens and she's like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna yeah. do this. I mean, we had signed paperwork. Sure. Uh, stuff like that, like you know, intent and stuff, but yeah, that's never regular. Like, man, I don't want this deal to go to waste, 
And yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that, after that, January 1st, we moved in. You know, credit to my in-laws. They helped me move in um, oh, very quickly. Nice. We got the house set up, um, you know, until, you know, essentially until we had my wife getting burned. That's very cool. That's all family helping out. So how, so you still live in that one today? No. So I actually was there for around eight months and then we got orders uh, to actually move up to Massachusetts and Boston. Okay. Yeah. So, so I actually, I'm over here. It. I teach at one of the universities. Very cool. So I'm assuming you kept it. We did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know, that was the, the one rental at a time was you buy, you hold, you, absolutely. Um, you rent out. And it cash flowed from day one. And that, I mean, it was really amazing because when we, you know, we went from paying, you know, at that time, $1,400 in rent for, yep. you know, we had four bed, two bath uh, rental uh, that we were living in. And we moved into it and we started renting out the other side. It was already rented. So we were we were only paying around seven hundred dollars rent. There you go. Um, hacking for the win. Yeah, absolutely. Because our mortgage is around twelve is twelve twenty five a month. You know, twelve twenty five a month, and the other side is renting for a thousand. So we just had to cover that little bit, and then yep. a little bit of taxes, and, and we're good. And you know, we get a housing stipend from the military to live. So that money that we were saving was all tax free to begin with, because you know, pay taxes yeah. on. Wow, house hacking for the military for the win. That's that's more and more people need to look at that. If you're serving, um, definitely look at VA loan, right? Sub three percent. You're you're going to keep that forever, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, I yeah, I just don't see a, a scenario unless something just drastically drastically changes. But I don't see a scenario where selling at sub three percent interest rate makes any sense at all. So it's you know you're winning on so many levels with that property and you know today cash flow is around 664 dollars a month yeah and ha has rent gone up at all or not yet yes it did so when we moved in uh while we were actually waiting to move in the rent that was like that big you know it was like a 30 to uh 30 35 percent rent increase from like within like a year or two and you know, essentially now it rents i have one side rented for 1350 a month and the other side rented for 1300 a month nice Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. a great story. So uh, where where do you go next, Drew? What, what's next on the agenda? Well, I was hoping to do some house hacking up here in Boston, but uh, as most people know, Boston's not uh, the best market for house hacking or cash flow. So I uh, right now I'm actually still looking and clean to buy the next rental or stacking cash, uh, figuring out. I'm actually doing a lot more uh, self-education. Uh, I'm reading a bunch of books, as you can see behind me. I read as many books as I can get a hand, my hands on. Um, like a couple of programs. I ran to um, uh, Pace Morbius Sub 2, uh, Creative Finance. I think that's probably the way to go. I know you mentioned that a lot on your channel. And yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. And that's kind of what pushed me. I was like, all right, I need to learn, you know, not only this, but just continuing to learn taxes and real estate and then just doing the best we can. Very, very cool. Well, you have a YouTube channel. You created some content uh, about your rental. Why don't, you, why don't you tell people what it is so they can go look it up? Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, the Flick channel. So it's an acronym, F-L-I-K. So financial literacy is key uh, channel. And uh, I have an Instagram as well. It's a at Flick channel. Uh, so it's like a, after each letter, it's a period. But um, yeah, at the Flick channel. So and that was part of it was you know, um, I really found, in a sense, my my second calling, passion. Uh, I absolutely love love finances, and it's not just you know 
real estate and it's not just stock it's everything i love talking about it and then uh you know if i can i felt like i wished i had learned a lot of this very early on so that's why i kind of went towards the you know the the channel and stuff like that and making the youtube and instagram was to maybe i can educate other people you know on it that haven't been introduced to it yet you know and maybe my channel might lead to them doing the same thing and just getting started so i'm still a baby in my opinion on the, the financial journey and still learning uh but you know hopefully i could get someone started even earlier in mine and like i said i look at my kids the same way like you know, I play uh, financial games with them. I, you know, I try to teach them financing, uh, finance, you know, investing versus saving the difference. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, they can do a lot better than me at my age by then. So hopefully. <laughs> well, Drew, thank you very much for what you do. It's amazing. Thank you for coming on one rental at a time. I appreciate it.